my back. <laughs> no more laundry in the living room, but we do have sort of scattered messes all around. I think that we just need to accept that that's sort of like our standard of living. Yeah. If there's ever a time that people come over. If any if any other outside humans come to the house, I feel like that's when we really step up our game. Oh, like, yeah. We have to look. I know. It's funny, too, because it's like, I remember when I was, like, a little kid, my parents would do that, and I would be so annoyed. I'd be like, why don't we just let them see how they how we live, Mom? No. And then it's like, oh, no. Like, we we can't let the outside world know that we're trash. I think reputation is everything, you know? Yeah. Luckily, uh, I feel like that doesn't happen that often. No. I feel like we've set up our lifestyle pretty neatly so that we only ever go elsewhere for hangouts we don't actually like no contact with the outside world or limited contact with the outside world well i wouldn't say that i would say you you have some hermit tendencies i'm an isolationist at heart i know i (laughs) you might as well call me zebediah ositis oh my god wow way to bring it back way to like (laughs) way to bring this tangent train back to the station that's right We have the book Seven to Eternity by Rick Remender and Jerome Opeña with colors by Matt Hollingsworth. What a name. <laughs> I know, what a name. Um, how I would rate this book. I actually would give this a five out of five. It's good, right? Yes, I, I would really give this a full, like, man out of his seat clapping in the air. Yeah, he. I really liked this book when I first read it. I remember I was, like, laying there and I was like, what is this? Like, this? yeah, I was floored. It is really good. I feel like I kind of came in with... Um, low expectations, you know. Mm, the power of low expectations. I mean, yeah. you joke, but I think that that's yeah. actually, like, I feel like the stuff that I've underestimated has always been the stuff that has blown me away. But, yeah, I think that's the that's the nature of it. And there's no space element, right? Like, not Wait, really. What are you fucking talking about? This I'm, entire thing happens in space. No, it happens on another world. In space. <laughs> like... you, wouldn't, you wouldn't consider Lord of the Rings, like in space because it happens on another this is literally on like a like an alien planet lord of the rings takes place like in a wooded i mean i see kind of what you're saying yeah but i feel like lord of the rings are like game of thrones okay (laughs) lord of the rings are like game of thrones they take place in a very a location that's extremely similar to earth Right, but that's part of the fun of fiction, is it's like, this is another world. But if we're arguing whether or not this occurs in space, then it's like, yes, this space 100... Space doesn't even factor into this book. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't, like... Yes, it does. There are, look, like, flying machine things, No, like, but that's magic. That's not hyperdrives No, and, because it's, like, more sci-fi than it is fantasy. I'll grant that it is sci-fi fantasy, but only because it looks like a blacklight poster, not because it is actually, like... <laughs> We've got to hyperdrive to the moon and back to retrieve a rare ore. Like it's, it's like they're traveling all over what is essentially a fantasy world. Like maybe this world is our world, but millions of years in the future, where goblins. But there are like actual aliens. No, it's fine. There aren't aliens. They're yes, like there are. no. There's like different. There's like goblins. You don't mix goblins in space. I mean, there are space goblins. No, they're not yes, called they space are. goblins. <laughs> basically. No, they are goblins, and they're purple. Where most goblins I know are green or gray. <laughs> that you but... know personally. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking gobos. 
Wow. Oh, sorry. I know, I know. I know. In 2019, you're not supposed to say. We're going to really offend a lot of goblins who are listening to this podcast. We didn't mean to alienate any goblins who might be listening to this. Look, Um, I have a lot of anecdotal evidence to back up how shitty goblins are okay like, look i just know from personal experience from my yeah. from, from my goblin yeah. friends who've told me that uh-huh. they really don't oh you have goblin friends yeah. do you know how bad that sounds <laughs> oh i can say it i have goblin friends <laughs> we're gonna have to cut all of this out <laughs> no i just like these little non-traversies you know <laughs> like, oh is that goblins too <laughs> this is it. where we really reveal like how not woke we are <laughs> yeah i know it's funny you say like mention woke just because I feel like we were really peppy in the morning recording yeah. this thing, and now I'm like, will they be able to tell how tired I am? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like the energy level has definitely dropped. But I okay. In the spirit of full transparency, I may or may not have read this comic literally 15 minutes before we started recording. Sure. But it, so it feels very fresh. Um. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know if I feel like I have a tendency for this to happen where like I. I feel like I, I need to marinate on things before I review them. Yeah. Because I feel like when you finish, like, a book or a movie or anything like that, you're still kind of, like, the first few hours afterwards, I feel like you're still in that world and you're still kind of, like, in that element. With the good ones, yeah. 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 And, like, and then it's, like, you can't really give it, like, a solid rating until you, like, step back from it a few days. Mm-hmm. Or at least I can't. I don't know. But, like, um... So, but right now, initially, you're giving it man standing up, clapping... Yeah. Pour out of No, not stars. even man standing up. Man, like, in the air. Oh, clapping. hooting and hollering? Yeah. But, wow. I mean, I feel like that that's, like, the full five stars. Yeah. Um, And then in the traditional... Oh, my God. Five. Yes. And then in the traditional <laughs> rating system, I would give this an A+. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. Maybe not 100%, uh, um, but, like, 98%. No, it's definitely, like, Is wing... that still technically an A+. Plus? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, great. I mean, <laughs> I think 95 to 100 is an A+. Plus. Oh, right, yeah. Um, 90 is a solid A, you nice. know. Really an A minus. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, I don't know. I never got grades. That I was low. gonna say. I was like. I was like. If you... <laughs> I never got grades that low. So never dipped below a low ninety four. You know. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Just so much extra credit. Got oh that. my god. <laughs> okay. So you like the book? Yeah. Um. You give it a good rating. Yeah. I was floored when I read it. I thought it was really good. Um, it is confusing at first. I definitely, it took me a minute to kind of get into the thing. I was like, what? Because you're yeah. hit right off the bat with a wall of text. Oh, yeah. Nobody. And none of it makes sense. Yeah. They're yeah. like talking about Mossack and the If that's Mud even King, how you pronounce right? it. Mossack. Yeah. We had a good like 10 to 5 minute conversation on like pronunciation yeah. And I 100%, I'm just going to apologize up front. We're just going to do a quick disclaimer. Well, I think... I don't think that I'm going to pronounce any of these correctly. That's fine, because I feel like in comic books, mispronunciation is okay. Because it's... it's just in comic books? It, yeah, because it, it's like, it's read, not spoken aloud, unless the movie is like a... You but know, not like books, just comic books. Well, in comic books, I the reason I say comic books is mm-hmm. because I can think of one example that perfectly summarizes what i'm talking about right now which is what in terms of mispronunciations yeah if you are a mutant with the power to control the magnetic field of the planet earth you can alter (laughs) the the magnetic field at will what would you call yourself i feel like i'm being set up what would you call yourself attacked um (laughs) this isn't attacking you yeah i know i know where you're going with this though 
would you call yourself Magneto? You have power over magnetism. You can, you're able so to alter this, the magnetic fields of the planet Earth. No. Is you, this the nerd hill that you want to die on? You absolutely, I do. Magneto? Magneto. It, I know it sounds silly at first. I, we, I know. But is it any more silly than Magneto? Is it? Say it a couple times. Magneto. 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 <laughs> oh no, Magneto. So. I mean, okay. Look, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But also. Oh, yeah. Now I, don't know. I also realize that I single-handedly will not change the name Magneto. I can't reclaim it. I can't. I can't do it alone, folks. Right, your congressperson. <laughs> your local representative get involved in local government wow yeah actually it's like it's funny we kind of circle back to the politics because this book does feel very political i know and i didn't know if we should talk about it because it's like i mean i don't want to get into like super specific stuff yeah but i do think part of it is like am i just reading too much into it because it came out in 2016 i know well it's hard not to it's really hard no i even was asking you that when i was reading this i was like I, I actually stopped at one point um, to, like, go back and check when this was printed because I was like, this feels super, like, how do I want to say it? Like, I don't know, like, on the nose. Not on the nose, but just, like, it's definitely referencing current events. But, I mean, isn't that what, like, good art is supposed to do? So... I absolutely think that it's fine. Yeah. I, um, it's, like, for my personal taste, it's a little borderline ham-fisted. Like... Oh. It sort of is like a little further this way and it would be a little too overt and obvious. Yeah. Whereas like I I know that comic books have always been political and like they're you know they can be really ch- and some of the best comic books I've ever read have been politically charged or had a message but I I prefer when a book sort of cloaks their message in allegory when right. they when they yeah. kind of tell an interesting story that makes you it doesn't even necessarily like hammer their point home they just kind of make you think about certain things i prefer that so much more than than books that are like this is our point of view and this is a situation that the writer has crafted so that i can perfectly yeah extol the virtues of my point of view and then you're like oh you had your hero say the best things right where it's like it's just not you're looking for more subtlety yeah and i i also i love uh books that do not um that are like where it's like there's a little bit of good and bad sprinkled into everybody yeah and it's like you not get, everything's black and white right I, I do like black and white but for the most part like if you're gonna tell like a gripping narrative like i want the good guy to make i want the good guy to have good points and bad points i want yeah. the bad guy to have good points you and don't bad want points. it to be totally clear-cut yeah um, then you have to figure out what you can live with if you're this person what can you live with i mean i i definitely see where you're coming from but then at the same time like i don't know i i thought it was really interesting that they included some of that political elements just especially considering like the year that this book came out um you know and like all like <laughs> <laughs> Like, all of the stuff that's happened since then. Ah, yeah, but it's kind of cool because I feel like then, you know, um, I mean, looking at it from a historical perspective, I feel like you could go back and look at this as being, like, a really interesting example of art sort of reflecting the sort of feeling of, I don't know, the, the general climate of the time. The zeitgeist? Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, but I mean, anyway, we should we should actually like summarize this book. No, this is a spoiler-free podcast. You get nothing. That would be insane. Yeah, that would, like, <laughs> especially because okay, here's one thing. It's like I feel like the climax of this book happened like midway. Like it didn't. There wasn't. I I was waiting for an end payoff, and it's like what you think is gonna be the end happens like maybe like a third of the way through. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, okay, let's just take it back. So basically we should also mention that this book is not on any list like we definitely have sort of like looked over the 100 greatest graphic novels yeah. and top 10 and all this to try to figure out what we should read but this is just a book that i think is a solid you know home run yeah enjoyable i mean yeah. i would say so i also feel like maybe you chose this one specifically to cater to something you think i would like which oh. you were correct yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so basically, like, the book kind of opens with, um, I guess it's like a diary page. There are these diary pages that are sort of scattered throughout the whole trade, and they're from the perspective of Adam Ositis, is that the what we decided? The protagonist, yeah. Okay. Um, who, basically, we've come to find out that, like, his dad, fucking Zebediah? Zebediah Ositis. Uh, it's just, like, really? Okay, but, like, so... Zeb- <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, I know. So Zebediah Ositis, um, strap in folks, because there's just like a lot of like world building here and like lore and none of this is really going to make sense. Hopefully it will by the end of this podcast, but like... Hopefully the wall of text that Rick Remender hits you with will intrigue you enough to like... To keep going. To keep going. It did for me. I was like, what does that mean? I don't know. And then I'd like, but the art is gorgeous. So you kind of... Everything like that I'm about to try to explain, I feel like you will probably not understand unless you like read through the whole thing. But anyway, here it goes. Read the book. Yeah. (laughs) So... Zebediah Ositis, like, was a Mossack warrior. Mossacks are basically, like, Jedis. It's, like, the the closest way that I could describe them, except they each have their own individual power. So, like, I don't even... Zebediah's power was that he could, like, reveal the truth. It's not totally clear. Essentially what happens is, like, when he activates his power, this weird glowing eye shows up above him, and, like, he can see people's intentions, kind of. He's a hard... He is what I think of my grandfather would be like. A sort of like Norwegian bastard. Yeah. Just kind of like sort of like he's that sort of stereotypical like man's man, like doesn't doesn't put up with bullshit, is like sort of like you know, he's gonna he's a man of principle and he's gonna like put his head down and get the work done no matter how trying or how much the people around him suffer. I mean, yeah, actually, I would say that's a pretty good description of him, especially, but it's, so basically he's, he is this Mossack warrior, um, and during his time, I don't know, warrioring, he meets this guy, I forget what his actual name is, but in the book they're Geralt called- Geralt Solm. Yeah, who's also called the Mud King, which is like, I'm not gonna, well, like, he, I'm just gonna call him that. He's called the God of Whispers, but- Zebediah, a man who believes that, quote, the rotting of all principles begins with placing a single foot on the road to compromise, he calls the God of Whis- the God of Whispers Mud King. Yeah. And it's sort of a derogatory... Slinging uh, mud. Yeah. Yeah. He, and <laughs> Geralt Solms is also, he's a Mossack. Yeah. And his power is... He's able to sort of, he's almost like a Lucifer figure or like, yeah, he sort of gives, it's a, almost like a Faustian bargain where you, I'm sorry, a what? 
Pauskian Thank you. Target? Yeah. <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> Magneto! <laughs> A Faustian bargain. Um, he's able to offer you whatever your heart may desire, but in return, he's then able to see through your eyes, influence your thoughts, yeah. and you essentially become compromised and almost a, a pawn of... You're basically, yeah, you're just like a puppet. And once you've done it, you can't go back, really. Like. So this is what I didn't get, though. Was like, can he control people, or can he just kind of live through them? You know... I didn't totally get that. It's it's weird. I don't want to reveal too much because I've read, like, future okay. trades. And so, like, I, I'm going to also cover my bullshit by being like i don't want to reveal anything <laughs> <laughs> i mean fair enough because i but, actually do want to read the rest of this yeah he, yeah he, he so he's called the god of whispers but the sense i get reading this trade is that you sort of discover that he's not all powerful he's not omnipotent he is a man and he wields a large large amount of power but he is not a god right no like there are gods in this universe or this world and he's not one of them no no he's just like a mossack he's a mossack but he's got influence like through what, what would you say like eight tenths of the world or something like that like he, yeah but through his like mossack power right yeah so he's risen to power he's sort of in charge and i don't know it's hard to tell because like it's such a fantastical setting so but it also looks kind of like barren and dystopian. And you're like, is it barren? Like a planet in space, Justin? <laughs> it's, it's like, is it barren and dystopian because it's in space? Or is it barren and dystopian because of his rule? Or is that sort of the world that they're I think on? that's just the world. I think, so basically it's like he's kind of come to power just by like taking over. I mean, the key to his power is that he can't control you unless you give him permission, like through this like unless Faustian you bargain. You hear that... an offer and accept. Exactly. So there's this. There's a ton of stuff going on, especially in the beginning of this book, about the fact that Zebediah refused to even hear his offer. Well, I think I think by hearing the offer, I think the implication is that you're compromised because he. Because then it just becomes like an earworm almost. Well, because just, he... that's the wrong way to. That's not what that means, but you know what I mean. Right. I think he instinctively <laughs> knows what is your heart's desire, and so there is no way to turn him down once you've heard his offer. Right. And so Zebediah, being the sort of uncompromising asshole, is like, fuck this. I'm never hearing an offer. I'm taking my family. We're moving to the middle of nowhere, and the whole world can go to shit around us. Doesn't matter. We're going to suffer alone. Right. So he basically just takes his whole family and moves them out to, like, the fringe of society. But meanwhile, like, um, again, I forget his fucking name, so I'm just going to call him the Mud King. Just bear with me. So the Mud King basically just turns everybody... He, he essentially puts into everyone's mind that the Osiris family, like, they're cowards and they're traitors. Because, well, actually, wait, no, because the Mossacks, like, stay to, like, fight him, and then they just, like, peace out, But I right? think the, the Mossacks believe that the Osiris clan are cowards and traitors, and because they won't fight against the Mud King. Okay. And the Mud King, you know, he's got influence over nine-tenths of the world or what have you, and so he's obviously spreading the rumor 
that they're pieces of garbage. Right. And so I think the, the Osiris clan sort of finds themselves on the outs, like, wherever they go. Like, nobody likes them. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, it's like, we're saying clan as if it's, like, a huge family, but it's really just, like, Zebediah, um, his two sons, and his wife. Right. And then one of his sons dies. Right. Because... They just can't get the medicine they need. It's essentially, he dies because of the stance that the grandfather has taken of we're going to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining. And, and we when don't... you say grandfather, you mean Zebediah. I mean, yeah. Zebediah is such a grandfather's name that, <laughs> that I can't help it. Old man Zebediah. Oh, Zebediah. <laughs> um, but I love the dynamic between... Because I think Adam, the protagonist of this story, is his father's son in that, like, he was raised this way, he believes it, but then he also starts to see, like, in providing and trying to protect his family, yeah, he sees that maybe you do need compromise. Maybe you can't be an island unto yourself and you can't live apart from the world around you. I, I don't know. I think... You know. No, I, I think that's totally true, especially because it's, like, as you kind of, like, read on in this comic, you sort of see that Adam definitely, like, resents his dad before, because of his brother's death. He, like, he kind of blames his dad. Oh, yeah. His brother's death is, like... It all happens in the past, but you kind of see him wasting away. They can't get the medicine they need. Yeah. And then the only time they ever describe the brother is sort of as this sort of perfect, like... Not angelic, but he's just yeah. a, he's like an idealized. Well, he was like a little kid when he died. Yeah, so he's a like, kid when he, he never... dies, and he's idealized. And Adam's power is he can commune with spirits of the dead. Right. And so he's got um, a gun that they call a hammer. Oh, which is so annoying. And the hammer is loaded with nails, nails which, which are, are actually bullets, bullets yeah. of blood. Oh, Spooky. This, Very is, this is part of like the world building in this book that was kind of annoying. Even though I'm like, it, once you finish it, you're like, ah, oh, it's kind of cool. But like, as you're reading it, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I also feel like we're like singing this book's praises. And then as we describe stuff, like if I were listening to this, I'd be like, the fuck are you talking about? Are they on drugs? Are they like? I feel like that's more our fault than it is the book, and that we're on it. It's but this is such a hard thing to give a succinct synopsis for. It's like there's just so many tangents. Half of this comic takes place in flashbacks, and then half of it takes place in like present day. I would even go so far as to say like a third of it takes place in flashbacks, a third of it takes place in present day, and then a third of it is just, like, diary entries. And oh, you're, actually, yeah. And you're like, what? I know, okay. like, what? Like, where is this even going? So, so, I wanted to go into the, like, the vials of blood. And the oh, right, okay. So, Adam's, so the hammer is loaded with bullets that are called nails, and the nails are actually little vials of blood of dead people. It sounds morbid. But they're all like the blood is the blood is freely given, and they're all members of the Osiris family. So it's almost like wait, are they are all really all of them? Yeah, just about yeah. But he has five. Who? Because it's his dad, his mom, his brother. Who are the other two? I think like I think his grandma makes an appearance in one of these. Oh okay. Oh, I forgot that. But Mm -hmm. um, but it's essentially like it's it's like freely given and it's a tradition i think it's it's less spooky than i'm making it sound no it's cool because when so because adam's ability or his yeah his mossack gift or his ability or whatever is to commune with the dead when he fires these bullets he basically is able to control whatever mossack gift the 
deceased possessed so like for example like his brother i mean and another reason they talk about him with such like glowing just like in in such a positive way is because his mossack gift was charm like he was able to kind of like sway people he was just like very charming that was his kind of i just remember the scene where he fires the hammer yeah and the nail is launched as if it were a bullet yeah it is a bullet (laughs) it's a fucking bullet (laughs) and there's like this wonderful like i don't they're birds yeah they're birds and butterflies and they're multicolored and they're just sort of like they just engulf the page and it's like it's a kind of dystopian looking book with a lot of like viscera and just like dark it looks like a blacklight poster for like a metal band or something it had a okay and like this is where my sort of divide between like the comic movie world and like the comic world kind of comes into play but it felt super Guardians of the Galaxy influenced, especially considering that this came out in 2016 and the movie was released in 2014. (gasps) Plagiarism. No, it just was so... Especially the cover. He fucking looks like a skinnier version of Star-Lord. Um, I guess, And the villain, the Mud King looks like Thanos. Like, tell me that does not look like Thanos. (sighs) I mean, there are worse things. And also, there's a there's a pink Gamora. Like, it's just like Look, Thanos himself is a ripoff of Darkseid. So, oh my god, this like this whole borrowing or influenced by argument, it doesn't matter. Because... I just think it's really interesting. I think that again, it's like looking at this from like a historical perspective. If you tap into the mood, I think of like this it time, fits. it sort of fits in. There is this kind of like neon yeah like you were saying like a metal like black light 80s vibe i definitely like so once you said that um it looked like guardians of the galaxy i don't know that i 100 percent buy into your theory i mean i don't but... think that it was copied sorry no no i i know you're not saying that i i can i see the similarities that you're pointing out i don't think that that's how this happened but i did check out the colorist's imdb page uh, the colorist is a multiple eisner nominee matt hollingsworth and he is responsible for coloring preacher one of the greatest comic book series of all time um but he also worked in hollywood and he was a uh visual effects artist on a number of terrible films like <laughs> superman returns the fantastic four surfs up the animated penguin movie oh fuck yeah (laughs) and actually it's interesting it was mentioned in the last podcast if you can guess the final movie that he was a texture painter and technical director on this movie can you guess what it is we talked about it in the last podcast yeah fuck it's one of your favorites favorite movie yeah i mean do you mean in an ironic way i was gonna say like like, that you actually hate this movie I was like, I feel like he had nothing to do with Practical Magic. Or, or Little stage. Women. Oh, great movie. Or oh my Pacific God. Rim. <laughs> Pacific Rim is actually a great movie. Anyway, um, I... <sighs> Real Steel? No. I don't know. That's a great movie. <laughs> no, he was a visual... He, was, he began as a texture painter and technical director on Sky Captain 
and the uh. world of tomorrow. <laughs> uh, oh my god. <laughs> this is the albatross around your neck. You know, like it's weird how everything kind of comes back to that terrible, terrible movie. I feel like as young Hannah was so primed I to was be so psyched. For I that know. Movie. I was just like, oh my god, it's like this is relevant to all of my interests and it was it the betrayal stings even more because we should just change this podcast (laughs) how much we hate six six degrees of separation from sky captain in the world of tomorrow Uh, this movie that came out in like the early or the mid 2000s that no one probably remembers anyway heartbreaking movie okay matt hollingsworth his colors do wonder for this book i think that visually it's a very distinct book it doesn't really look like anything else on the shelves that I see. I would agree. I thought it was really cool. It opens up to where, um, so Adam and now his daughter, like they're on this like boar hunt and there's this kind of like mystical boar and it's like all these pinks and purples and it's pretty fucking cool. It looks, yeah, it's really neat. I, I liked, I like the visuals a lot. Um, this style of art I'm not usually a fan of, but, uh, I definitely warmed up to it. It was pretty cool. It was a little more trippy than I normally am into, but I really liked it. And the colors, yeah, are just fun. They're dope. They're, like, they're really cool. It's that neon, yeah. Yeah, I, so I was, you know, looking this book up online, just what people were saying about it and stuff, and I, and Jerome Pena rightly gets a lot of credit for just being an amazing artist. I mean, he is a fantastic artist. But I do think that in praising him, people are really selling the colors short on this thing because they do have in the back of this trade some, you know, pen and ink drawings that... Um, that are by Jerome opinion and they're really good but like I think the colors are what make this book distinct the palette for the colors are what make this book like visually stand out I would say that's accurate yeah Yeah. okay uh boar hunt the Ositis are in isolation when all of a sudden also by now because we mentioned before so um adam's brother peter had died when they were kids at this point um adam is like living with his father and adam has like a wife and like seven kids and like three i think no he has seven they actually t- they actually they mentioned say they say seven. that's a so lucky seven. number it's a lot of kids <laughs> like <laughs> i mean yeah the it's side is like we're not gonna rely on birth control we're well, just gonna also like where did he meet his wife they're like living in seclusion i'm like where did this woman come from they get into it in other oh, trades okay. so. god i yeah. Okay, well, I love. See, I know you hate this, but I love the smug sense of superiority that I get. I, I just know like to, an entire uh, comic industry is built off of that. Exact I'm like feeling. Scrooge McDuck. I can just like roll around in my like. <laughs> instead of money, I have just like piles of smugness. And this I'm is just... literally why Marvel makes so much money in these fucking dumbass films. Like it's because dude, like comic nerds will pay to go see it so that they can like wallow in the their smugness. I thought it was because the Marvel movies had broadest common appeal and they're not visually or artistically distinct from each other. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> wow, controversial take. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because it's like, yeah, you can tell that there's definitely more stuff coming. Like, you can definitely see how this could be a really satisfying full run. But I feel like this first trade was like, it's a good, it comes in a good package tied up with yeah. a bow. But yeah, so it's like... They're on their land out in the middle of nowhere, and then um, the Mud King's lackey shows up, who also happens to be his son, spoiler alert, um, and he's like this weird flute-playing goblin who like brings up armies from the mud, 
they attack Zebediah and they drag him down into the mud and drown him in it. Worst way to fucking die. Um, but also, I think it was a message from the quote unquote mud king. Oh, that he. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was know. like a like one of those gangster moves where you're like. Yeah. Like, oh, he said we were an asshole. I'm gonna pull out his asshole. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like silencing him in the mud. Okay, sure. Yeah. That's a stretch, but that's fine. Um. So, yeah, Adam's kind of like, I'm dying. I'm going to go visit the Mud King. I'm going to buy my family some time. Well, doesn't the lackey kind of say, like, he's waiting for you? Like, well, you yeah. Like, show up or else. Well, because it's like he could have just run, but he's like, no, I'm going to go face him. Mm-hmm. Because if I give myself up, then my family is going to be safe. Right. So he basically heads out. He reaches the city. Um, the city's still kind of in the middle of, like, this war, I guess. Yeah, the whole world is sort of, it's, it's, the Mud King has most of the power and control over the world because of all the influence he has but there are a significant number of people who are a resistance so i think that things are by no means settled i i would imagine that it's like living in a war-torn country where it's like you've got your government Mm -hmm. and but then you've also got maybe like insurgents who are like you know they're making moves the government's making moves and i think that for most people, there's a lot of uncertainty in their daily life. It's like you're just kind of like, oh, a magic bomb could go off. and Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, especially, like, as he's, like, walking through the streets. I guess the, it's, so, the way that I sort of divided this up, too, was that it was, like, Mossax versus the Mud King. But I don't know if that is totally true. I think it's, like, there are pockets of Mossax that are against him, right? I would say, yeah, I would say that the Mud King was a Mossack, sort of rose to power by influencing other Mossacks and other, like, people and political figures. And so there is a, sm- like, there is a number of Mossacks or Mossacks or... We Mossack- should just, like, settle yeah. on one way to say Moss- it. There are a number of Mossacks who are dedicated to fighting back against the God of Whispers. Right. And that's, yeah. Okay, so as he's, like, writing into town... There are a couple people from whatever that faction is that are kind of, like, calling him out because they recognize him, like, oh, like, Osiris, you're, like, back. You're, like, oh, you're here to, like, you know, give up yourself to the Mud King or whatever. And, um, I mean, it was pretty... I, he basically, like, he sort of just shows up. Like, you, you meet the Mud King in, like, the first issue of this trade, which is weird because I thought it was going to be, like... I thought he was going to be, like, the big bad. Like, I didn't think that it was going to be so quick, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Adam shows up. The Mud King basically offers him this deal, which is essentially just like, I'm going to, if you, um, I guess, give me the power to influence you, like, I will save your life. And it's, like, the one thing that he wants. But before he can actually, like, say anything, like, pretty much, like, all hell breaks loose. And, like, these six... What would you call them? Renegade Mossacks? Yeah, they Mossacks. like they break in. It's like this giant alligator whose like mouth is a portal. This sounds fucking batshit crazy. I realize as I'm saying this out loud that this like it just sounds insane. Yeah, there's a little purple goblin. Right. There's like a pink lady who can like rip limbs off other people and add them to her own. Right. And so that's like her Mossack power. The goblin's Mossack power is that he can change shape. He's like a shapeshifter. Um, there's this person called the White Lady. Yeah. I didn't totally understand her power. She's got... It, the lantern 
is something to do with her power, and she communicates with the well, which is right, a mystical right. thing that they sort of refer to from time and time again, and it sort of has to do with maybe their afterlife or their... That's the sense that yeah. I got, is that the well is, like, the cosmic universe. Yeah, and she also has, like, this cool little lightning owl. Oh, that, fuck yeah. That, like, the owl is probably Is, like, favorite. her familiar, I guess? Yeah, she's kind of got some Athena vibes. Um, and the owl can neutralize the Mud King's power so that he's not able to, like, reach out with his influence and ask for help. They sort of, like, cut him off from his... Yeah. This communication. It almost is like she, like, reveals your inner truth. So, like, there's this part where um, the flute dude, like, the Mud King's son, is basically, like, sending these mud dogs at her. And she uses her powers, and they're kind of, like, freed from his spell, and they end up turning against him. So that's kind of her deal. Yeah, so the, the Mud King's son, his power, like, it seems very mud-based right now, but it's actually not not well that's the thing it's like i i don't think that it's really his power i think that it's his son just uses it so the the flute player yeah his power is not as mud based as you oh as you might as you might believe in this trade it's just something that like is convenient it i i don't know if it i think i don't know that you're being purposely misled but i think that like his power has more scope than we think it is so like the white lady being able to like free these mud dogs yeah it's kind of like it's not quite, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, she's, um, she's pretty cool. She seems super intense. Like, she just seems, yeah. like, really, like, like, you, so, these characters end up becoming, like, main characters in this book, or at least, like, yeah, associated secondary characters, but basically, so you get to kind of know her a little bit more as it goes on, but, like, essentially in this battle, there's also a monkey who, or he's, like, a monkey man, um, but he's, like, a healer. And he gets killed, so R.I.P. Monkey <laughs> guy. I don't even remember his name, but um, obviously not important. But basically, they fucking capture the Mud King, and then they peace out. Why can't they just kill him? <laughs> oh right, because they want to take him to this witch who's gonna like. What is she gonna do? She's I gonna actually set him free. I think it's kind of interesting because if you kill the Mud King then everyone who has heard an offer from him is connected to him, and they will also die. Yeah. And since nine-tenths of this planet have heard an offer from him, it would essentially be a planet-wide genocide Right. that would, like, result in, like, who would be left, you know? So yeah. these seven desperate Mossack, including Adam Ositis, their plan is to capture the Mud King and take him to a place where they can then sort of undo his spell and then kill him. Right. And it's, I forget what her name is, but it's like the witch or like this like... But so essentially like they capture him, they have to travel through a world that's still completely loyal to him only he can't directly call on help because of this lightning owl. Right. That Which is like the only thing that's preventing him from... And then at the same them. time, he is like, he's a captive, but he's not as helpless as he might appear. He's kind of like, he's willing to sit there and bide his time. And he's willing to make offers, even though it's not tied to his magic, per se. Um, he's still like a force to be reckoned with. It's like, it would be so much simpler if they could just cut his throat and be done with it, but they can't. And then there is this sort of distrust among the group of, like, 
well, at, you know, the Ositis clan has a really bad reputation. Can we trust them? And then who's to say that one of us won't turn on the group because of how convincing this Mud King can be? Yeah. And so... Yeah, and you kind of see that. So, like, after they capture him, they're, like, on the road. And there's this one part where they sort of, like, they bring him out to kind of feed him. Because at that point, I think they've been traveling for, like, a week or something. Like, well, we, we he has to stay alive. Yeah. Um, And he kind of starts talking to them. And you sort of find out more about him, too, where it's, like, you find out that his, like, he's half goblin or something. And his mom was, like, a, a prostitute. Yeah, and, like, um, and then also his wife, who, like, had died and, like just all this kind of stuff so she basically like goads the um the woman who her power is she can take like she's it's kind of crazy she's actually like she's a human formed from like the body parts of her family when they were killed by like the mud king soldiers because her power is to essentially regenerate using other people's body parts and so like when the mud king came to her village he killed her whole family including her and she like regenerated from their like body parts which is kind of gnarly but like real freaky deaky stuff yeah so he basically like goads her into attacking him and in doing so he like steals the key to escape and the book sort of ends where like he's kind of like opened up the carriage and he's sort of just hanging out and they end up recapturing him but it sort of leaves the question like one of the characters asks like why didn't he escape and you're kind of like, it's sort of ominous. And that's kind of where the book like closes. Yeah, I, I remember really being like, oh my god, there's so much more to this. Because he could have just escaped and then called down his armies and, you know, destroyed this tiny little faction of people. And it's sort of like, well, what is he playing at? Is there like, there's this play between him and Ositis because it turns out that Zebediah, Ositis, and the Mud King were actually quite close, like almost brothers. Right in the past and so something happened between them and now you're almost wondering like well is he playing the sun is he i totally think that's what it is especially just because it's like i mean it's it's hard yeah because you've already read like all of these books but it's like yeah you definitely get the sense that it's kind of this like vendetta like he's kind of like he wants he wants the satisfaction of turning zebediah's son yeah where zebediah couldn't be turned Right, of sort of like breaking him or like, right. you know, like proving that no one is above, you know, your innermost desires. Or... That's the thing, though. It's It was interesting, too, because like, I, I feel like the way that they set up his character is very, uh, Um, for any... Who, whose character? Adam okay. and Zebediah. Just like... Anyone who's familiar with the uh, BBC masterpiece classic, Poldark, um, it's it's basically like this character who is so honorable, he's like honorable to a fault, where he just like fucks up shit for everybody, because like, well, I gotta do the right thing, and like, that's why the thing that kind of felt weird to me was that Adam's one thing was his own life. Because I feel like they've set up his character where, like, that doesn't seem like something that would appeal to him. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes and no. Because I think, like, because Adam is his father's son, he sort of buys into the whole, like, isolationist mentality. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he's got a wife and daughters and sons that he loves. And so 
I think the idea of dying and not and like sort of leaving them in this like isolated wasteland that they currently live in. Yeah. That idea of leaving them alone and not being able to see that like to grow old with his love and yeah. see his family grow. I think that really eats at him, and so I think the idea is not so much it it like I think it's sort of purposely presented as a little bit selfish. Yeah. But it's also like knowing who this character is, I think you can kind of say like, well, it's not just about him. It's the idea that like. He wants to survive so that he can maintain, you know, he can ensure the survival and ensure that his family thrives, really. I guess that kind of makes sense. I feel like if they were really going to set this up, it should have been, like, the life of... I feel like it would have it would have checked out more with his character if what he was bargaining for was, like, the life of, like, his wife or, like, one of his children. I feel like... So they, they basically really only introduced one of his kids, Katie. She's, like, his oldest daughter... Um, they're out hunting. Yeah, they're out hunting in the woods, and I feel like if she had some kind of sil- illness, and like he and like the Mud King was like, I'm gonna Katie's like Katie's life, that would check out so much more, especially because it would tie in with like the trauma that he had over like Peter's death, like losing another one that's so close to him. I feel like that would have just been a way better play. I think so, but I think you would have ended up with a character who is more like, you'd basically be like, oh, this is a Jesus figure who, like, is so perfectly nice. Where it's like, it is kind of nice to be like, yeah, he wants to live. And so it's like, there really is that idea of, like, well, like, he's he's his father's son, Mm -hmm. so he's a stubborn, you know, non-compromising person, but, like, would he compromise for his own life? Yeah. Maybe. What would yeah. be your Mud King? My Mud King offer? Your Mud King offer, yeah. I think it would be easy. It'd be like Spam Musubi or something <laughs> like that. But like you don't gain weight from eating it every oh, day. Something like that great. where you're like... You're like you actually hey. get healthier. Yeah. Like, like you like have great sleep. They're like, you need to eat at least five pieces of Spam Musubi a day to get like solid sleep. Like it helps you like run faster. I think I would <laughs> like, try to I would try to broaden it to being like the less healthy you eat, the healthier you get. <laughs> and so I'd just be like, fucking give me some more of those like breakfast Bring burritos. Bring on the chow mein. Line them up and like... be like, oh my god, his power is superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What would your offer be? I don't know. I feel like what? So it's basically like the trade is that. He gets to control you? Yeah. You're sort of... And you're tied to his, like, his power. Is essentially, like, that's, I think... I think almost... That's why I kind of like him is because his power isn't, like, oh, he can just, like, get in your head and make you do things. Yeah. It's more that, like, you're now... Your health is now directly tied to his health. So, like, you've compromised your ideals to give him what he wants. And then... There's no chance on you turning on him because if you kill him or right. hurt him, you're essentially destroying yourself. Like, you've now, like, by selling your soul, you've kind of, like... But you... then, like, how does he get people to do things for him? Because there's a difference between, like, doing something proactively... Or not proactively, but, like... Like, there's a difference between not hurting him and doing his bidding. You know what I mean? Like, how does he control so many people? Well, I think he can always revoke the offer, you know? Oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. just... Oh, I, okay. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Take it away. Yeah. What would be your Mossack power? <sighs> My Mossack power. That's tough. I know. Um, 
it's kind of like I feel like it's similar to like the superhero question, kind of. No, really, my, because these things are like they're not really superpowers. They're like I think it would be like my farts are powered by my imagination. <laughs> so it'd be like I could like fart out like almost like a Green Lantern type power, where you're like you just like let one rip, and all of a sudden like you've created like a tank, and you're like no. Nah. Why does it have to be related to farts? No, I don't know. I I, I honestly I don't know what my most like power would be. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. So Adams is that he can commune with the dead. I don't feel like that's particularly useful. No. I don't really feel like that's like. I feel like that would be a terrible burden. That would be like. I think it'd be. Some co- I mean, I, I definitely think it'd be cool to be a healer. That would be dope. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it would. I don't want the corpse. Actually, the healing power. one would be great. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want the corpse heal. The corpse one, the sort of adding their parts to yours. Oh yeah, no. Um, I think the white lady. I don't want to be influenced by the afterlife. Just she also like, just seems like it seems like it's really like affected her. Yeah. <laughs> like she just seems really fucked up. Yeah. Like she just seems like removed and just kind of like I don't know. I, also, kind of everything is very black and white with her. Where yeah. It's like it's like sort of her way or the highway. Oh yeah, totally. She's a pull duck. Oh uh, sure. n- really? No, because it's like I feel like the def- like what that is is someone who is almost crippled by their own honor. Okay. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't think that she would be. She seems like someone who's like, nah, fuck. The you. goblin power would be cool. Oh yeah, the, actually, the... like, but I don't know, because it's like, when would that come in handy? I would have the Mud King's power. <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, you know, because it's like the goblin's power is that he can, he's basically mystique. Yeah. Like he can just become you sexy. Know. <laughs> blue. blue and sexy. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just like. Also, what do you mean by that, Justin? Nothing. Yeah. You, <laughs> you said anything. Uh huh. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, you want to retract that statement? <laughs> if you make me. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the power to influence the charm one it would actually be kind of cool because I feel like that's multifaceted. Like you could, you could use it for good or for evil. Like it's like yeah. it's basically just influence. Yeah. Which could I think cover a lot of bases. I yeah, I'm on board. I am too. Yeah, I really liked it. I'm probably gonna read the rest of it. Um, yeah, bad news. What? It's ending soon. It's oh well. How many trades are there? There's three currently. There's. I think gonna be four, oh, and that's then it's fine. over. I I kind of like when a series ends. Yeah. I just don't know that it's by choice. I think like, I as hard as it is for me to say this, I I don't know that it's the biggest seller. Uh, you know, I think. I, I could th- see that. I feel like the art is weird enough on the cover that you wouldn't. I don't know. Um, I feel like it sucks because it's actually it was really great. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a not to say that it's not a bestseller. Yeah, is not a knock on the quality of the writing or the art. It's more just that like the mood. Well, comic books are expensive these days. They're nearly five dollars, and you only get about twenty some pages of entertainment. And is so, that one issue? Yeah. Yeah, that's and just so, like yeah. So the idea of spending four dollars on something that you're like, I don't know, that you're literally gonna finish in like five minutes. You're gonna finish in five minutes, and then people, you know, like. People kind of want, like, established name brands, you know? So it's like, yeah. give me my Supermans and my Spider-Mans and my X-Men because I know that they're interesting because they've been around forever. Yeah. And it's like, I think people are less likely to spend money on books that aren't, you know, so cookie cutter. And I think that uh, it's a shame, 
Um, I, I have no doubt that it will have a satisfying ending. I think that I will really... I don't know that it will make me happy because it's not necessarily guaranteed to be a happy ending, but I think that it will be well-written, well-drawn, and well-colored. I also feel like I'm, like, prematurely, like, like mourning this thing, and it's like, <laughs> who knows? Maybe it'll turn around. Well, you know? when is it supposed to end? I Do think you have a date? 2020, some point. Okay. This is what they were saying online. They're working on They're currently working on it now. And I think it's going to mid-2020 is when it'll be like... Were they on a break or has this been consistently being released? I don't know. Because mm. um, obviously I came in a little late, so I was not... Actually, I mean, I'm partially responsible for po- the possible low sales. I, oh, You know, because wow. I'm not buying the single issues. I'm definitely waiting for the trades to come out and yeah. then scooping them up. And I mean, if you can get out there often to your local comic shop and <laughs> buy the single issues because the sales of that kind of dictates how long a series will survive and so all right um we don't have our book lined up for next time but yeah don't we do we <laughs> all-star superman the next book we'll be reviewing is all-star superman volumes one and two no i know absolutely yes no. it's a complete series you can't go halfway through the series i'm doing volume one no i'm doing you've already read volume one i yeah so so you do a quick <laughs> refresher breeze through it and then volume two i i can't you can and you tell must you, no i can't tell you how much i fucking hate superman that's not true it have... is true i am telling you with my words <laughs> the words coming from my mouth i fucking hate Whatever. We'll get into it next week. Um, Volumes 1 and 2 of All-Star Superman. Okay. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Sign out.